Hey everyone, and welcome to Unison Christian Church, the podcast. We exist to change our community with the life-changing truth of Jesus, elevate a culture of love and holistic growth, and serve as a family built on hope. Our desire is that today's message helps you discover fresh new ways of connecting with God. Now, here is today's message. All right, so I have a friend with me today. This handsome fella here, his name is Pinky, and Pinky has been with me for almost 39 years, I mean 29 years. Um, We, you know, our family has a knack for, you know, naming our stuffed animals or stuffies, I guess is the new term, right? As the kids are calling them, stuffies. Because my son, he has a penguin, and his penguin is named Wait Wait. Pinky, wait, wait. We're talented. We are. So, anyhow, Pinky here has been my best friend for longer than anyone else here on this planet. And so, he's very special. This gentleman has soaked up so many tears. He has listened to me giggle and do the silliest things on the planet. He's been through everything. This poor guy is loved so well that he is missing so much fur. And I'm sure at one point he may have been fluffy instead of flat. But we'll just, you know, he's well-loved. It's all good. Um, But he is with us today because he's going to help us with some illustrations. So we are on the last week of the Misconceptions sermon series. And it's been a fun series. It's interesting to see the way that God works in the preachers, so much so in preparation for speaking with you all. And it's just a joy to see what he does through that. Sometimes it's not so, you know, comfortable, but it's always good to see the way that he works. Um, So today's message is called Obedience, Trust, and Relationship. We're going to be in Genesis 22, 1 through 18, and Ezekiel 11, or yes, 11, 14 through 20. Um, Those are some longer passages, so in lieu of having a million slides up there for you all to read, um, you can either bust out your Bibles or I have um, those passages printed on some paper in the back. Um, So if you need one of those, they are available to you. So, yeah. So with preparation for for this, it's actually something that has been in progress for a couple months, actually. Um, come to find out. And it all started with prayer. So how many of you here have ever prayed for patience? Oh, yeah. we've Many of us have made that mistake, right? Yeah, yeah. See, I made that mistake years ago, and I learned. I did not pray for patience. Nope. But I prayed something else. And that's how it all began. So I felt, I experienced a deep longing for more of God, similar to what we felt this morning. Have you ever just had those moments where you're like, I know that you're here, but I really just want more. I just, I really want more of you. I want to feel you. I want to know you. I want to feel the warmth of your presence, God. I want to hear your voice with such clarity that I can't mistake it for something else. 
well, that's what happened in my soul. And so he started me on a journey asking me questions. So for the last few months, God has asked me questions like, who are you? Daughter, who did I make you uniquely to be? What did I create you for that wasn't intended for anyone else? What is your greatest joy? And just to pause for a second, I'll tell you what that is. My greatest joy is walking beside people when they reach what I call an aha moment with God. Whether that is salvation for the first time or new truth or even just knowing that God loves them, whatever that aha moment is that moves them into a greater depth of maturity and faith, I get so excited. It fills me with so much joy. And so for the last couple months, he's had me sitting in that. Who are you, daughter? Who did I create you to be? And so I prayed that he would build my desire, build my dependence on him, and cause me to seek him more fully. Not just to pray, but to pray earnestly, seeking the heart of my father in everything. You get tired sometimes of not hearing his voice. You get tired of feeling a lull spiritually sometimes. And so why we can't have the crazy highs all the time, I wanted to know him deeper. And so that's what I prayed for. And after a couple months of the journey, he spoke into my life in increasing whispers. The dreaded word. change. I know, I even saw a lot of you just twist in your seat and even hearing the word change, right? I know, it makes you uncomfortable. Like, stop. I get it. But that's okay. Change is necessary. God is asking for my obedience. So I want to take you on a journey of a little bit of what he walked me through, and then we'll finish the story up. And there's two things that come into play here. We have a couple of stories we're going to share. One is on Abraham connected to obedience. And the other is a passage in Ezekiel, which um, is on disobedience. Because they're two sides of the same key, right? Like you need them both. So in Genesis 22, 1 through 18, you all have it? Anybody else need a page? Are we good? Okay. Genesis 22, 1 through 18. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love very much. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. And the next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped the wood for the fire and burnt the offering, for the burnt offering, and set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. 
as the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son? We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide the sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. And then he tied his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as the sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord said to him, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham relied. Here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. And for now, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your only son. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thorns in the thicket. And so he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham then named to the place Yahweh Uriah, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, the people use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number. And like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, your descendants will conquer the cities and their enemies. And through your descendants, all nations on earth will be blessed. So we're not going to get into all of the details and everything that happened before the story. There's just some crucial things I want to pull out for you. The scripture does not really tell us how Abraham felt. Did you notice that wasn't in there? It didn't talk to us about mourning. It didn't talk to us about objections. It didn't talk to us about the fact that, wait a minute, this was the one that you promised me all these years. It doesn't give us any of that. It doesn't tell us how he felt and the process that he went through to get to it. But what does it tell us? His response was obedience to God's will. That's what it tells us. Now, all those other things we can't imagine, but what it does tell us is that he was obedient. Did you notice the effect that was presented at the end? The effect of his obedience. What were the two main things that happened there? Well, you see... Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. <laughs> I know some of you right now are doing the hand and foot motions and singing it. You're going to have it stuck in your head all day. You're welcome. Yep. <laughs> also, through Abraham, through his obedience, all future generations were to be blessed. So Abraham's lineage leads all the way to Christ, our Savior, after all. Do you think that in that moment when Abraham chose to obey God's command to sacrifice his only son, that he had even a glimpse of the multitudes of people that would be impacted by his obedience? Even a glimpse
healthy nose today. <laughs> so obedience brings us closer to God. Only through obedience is our relationship with God strengthened. The more that we tell him yes, the clearer we can hear his voice. I want you to hear that one again. Only through obedience is our relationship with God strengthened. The more we tell him yes, the clearer we can hear his voice. Truth. But there is also another side to this coin, too. So for the second key, we're going to talk about Israel and disobedience in Ezekiel. So what is, we found out what the outcome of obedience is. So what's the outcome of disobedience? A little backstory on this passage, Ezekiel 11, 14 through 20. Israel is going, doing some bad stuff, y'all. They're continuously disobeying God. God keeps trying to call them back, but for whatever reason, they keep rebelling and dismissing him. And so because of this, they're currently in exile in a foreign land. A result of their own sin, right? So let's read that passage. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, the people still left in Jerusalem are talking about you and your relatives and all the people of Israel who are in exile. They are saying those people are far from the, from the Lord. So he has given us their land. There's a little bit of arrogance in that, isn't there? Therefore, tell the exiles, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Although I have scattered you in the countries of the world, I will be sanctuary to you during your time in exile. Now, I kind of want to pause there because that's important. We are, they are taken out of their comfort zone. They lost their homes. They are likely feeling the pains of being outcasts in someone else's home the outsiders, strangers in someone else's land. This, of course, is the consequence of their own sin. But even in that, yet, God promised to be their comfort as they face those consequences. Now, that's just astonishing. Even though it was their consequence for their sin, he promises to be their comfort while they endure that consequence. Then he gives them another promise and a second chance. So starting up in 17, I, the sovereign Lord, will gather you back from the nations where you have been scattered, and I will give you the land of Israel once again. When the people return to their homeland, they will remove every trace of their vile images and detestable idols, and I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart so that they will obey my decrees and regulations. They will truly be my people, and I will be their God. It's so significant. He allows them to feel the pains of their disobedience. He allows them that consequence to grow them to change them, but he continues to call them back. He doesn't leave them there and abandon them there. He, pr he promises to be their comfort while they experience that consequence. 
and he promises to restore them, give them a new heart, and bring them back to him. So disobedience creates distance. Deliberately violating the will of God distances us from him and weakens our relationship with him. Disobedience results in turning down the volume of his voice within us. I'll read that one again for you. Deliberately violating the will of God distances us from him and weakens our relationship with him. Disobedience results in turning down the volume of his voice within us. Each time that we disobey the will of God, his voice gets drowned out more and more by our own ambition. However, sometimes our disobedience is more subtle. Neglect of Bible meditation, prayer, active involvement in church. It's through this process of small, hardly conscious disobediences. It's like trying to ignore what you heard so you don't have to admit that you heard it. I think that casual spiritual drift is what most of us experience more frequently than a deliberate disobedience. But because of that, it's also the most dangerous because we don't always recognize it. It sneaks in. Oh, that wasn't, that wasn't God. That was just, you know, that was just something in my head, right? And sometimes it takes God talking through some people around you to, to bring truth and to reconcile yourself with what God is actually calling for you. I admit, fam, I wasn't planning to share that, but that was my story. I knew, what, I knew that God was moving something. I knew that he was growing me in some way and that he was going to do something. But I was so passionate about what I was in the middle of that I could hear other stuff that he wanted to tell me. But when it came to that, my ears were unable to hear it. So, what is the good news? <laughs> the good news is we have help. And by the power of the spirit that dwells within us, and boy, did we feel him today, we have the ability to choose consistently not to violate deliberately the known will of God. And I like to make some distinctions here. It's not our power. It's not our own knowledge or wisdom. It's the spirit within us. If we're willing to obey and turn up his volume, he is the one that allows us to consistently choose God over our own ambition and de the violate deliberately the known will of God. It's just a fancy way of saying sometimes we don't realize that we're sinning because we're human. Our bodies do weird things. We get tired. There's a cultural barrier that we don't quite understand. But that, that's a flesh thing. That's not a deliberate thing. So I just like to point that part out. But the spirit dwelling inside of us is the power that we can hold on to that allows us to consistently choose God's will over our own. 
So we have learned the outcome of obedience. We have learned the consequences of disobedience. Let's pull them together, and then we'll get back to our story here. So several of you, I'm sure, have seen this meme online. And I have to be honest, this particular meme, nope. There is no way. You're telling me you want me to give this up. This important part of my life that has been so much a part of my life that my heart is so pulled into. And it's not that you have moved passion for this thing. You haven't. You still have it just as strong inside of me. But you're asking me to let it go? Uh Uh-uh. No. No, he's mine. But what happens to the other chair? If I don't let go, If I don't let go of this thing that I love so very much, do I miss out on what he has in store? Do the people that are supposed to be impacted and influenced by this next journey he has for me, do they miss out because of my disobedience? And in turn, When I disobey, I'm turning that knob down a little bit more. So if I truly am seeking him with all of my heart and asking him to fill me fresh with his spirit and draw me closer to him, if I really want you here holding my hand and the warmth on my face, embracing me constantly, God, if I want you here in every moment and not just when it's convenient, Not just on Sunday, not just during Bible study, but if I want you to truly be next to me in every part of my life so that I can hear your voice clearly. I have to choose obedience. And I have to let go. Moment of transparency, fam. I really don't want to. I really don't want to. There's been so many tears shed. I really don't want to. I have chosen obedience. I have chosen obedience. But I do ask for your prayer. Because I have not yet made it to the point of maturity where I have joy for what's next just yet. I know it will come. God is faithful. He will build that desire. And he will show me the fruit of my obedience that he can use to impact generations. But pray for me. Because letting go and change, those things are so hard. But obedience and trust in my father impact my relationship with him. In my processing, there was a moment where I felt this reality check that was almost like a kick in the gut. And I'll be honest, I've read it several times. 
and I've actually thrown the book a couple of times. Sorry, God. Love you. Well, he knows what's inside anyway, so it's, I mean, repentance is a thing. So, on this next slide, I, I point this out. Because it's true for all of us. No one who is deliberately rejecting the known will of God in one area of life can expect to receive his enabling to live supernaturally in other areas of life. It's such a powerful statement, but it's not one that we like to talk about, right? We like to talk about the good things. We don't always like to talk about the things that create distance in our relationship with God. We like to ignore those as much as we can. But if we want the kind of power that the Spirit has to offer us, we have to pay attention. We can't deliberately reject the will of God. And we can't fall victim to that spiritual drift that's so easy to fall in. And that's what's so beautiful about fellowship in a large family like this. When God calls you, not on your own accord, it's not healthy, but when God calls you to speak into someone's life, listen. I'm sure glad that my friends and family here on staff listened. I'm so glad that there was others in my life who listened. Because while it hurt to hear that I was having a hard time hearing him, it was important. And I needed to wrestle through that. I needed to know that God's will was in front of me, and I needed to embrace it. Because the outcome, if I did not... Woo. Yeah. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Luke twenty-two forty-two. So we're gonna talk about a few things in reflection and action, and then I'm gonna play a song for you and give you some space. So the first is, when have you struggled to obey Him fully? We all have moments. Is there something that you're hung up on? What stands between you and a deeper relationship with God? Are you living in obedience? Or are you denying what he's asking of you? Have you been obedient to God's will recently? And have you felt the closeness with him that is a result? See, everybody in this room has different places where they are right now. Some of us are rejoicing because we've just experienced a win as we submitted to God's will and said yes. We said yes to God. And so we are in this moment where there's so much joy and there's so much celebration in life because of our obedience and then there's others in this room who are going through a moment where we're just struggling because we know what God wants from us, but we have a hard time wanting it, wanting to be obedient. 
And both those places will happen several times on our journey as we grow in Christ. It's just part of the growth each time that we tackle it. But remember which one turns up the volume of the Holy Spirit and which one turns it down. I hope that's an encouragement. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and believe others could benefit from hearing about us, please remember to share and subscribe to Unison Christian Church wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also catch us live at unisongr.com or on Facebook. See you next week.